Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Negative Positives Podcast, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. And now, here are your hosts, Andre Dominguez and Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 221. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave in a nice, warm, nicely warmed up Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, it is Sunday night, so that means uh, we have special, a special guest on tonight, I should say. But uh, before we get to them, let's get to everyone's favorite co-captain all the way out in the City of Angels, La La Land, Los Angeles, California, Mr. Andre Dominguez. How are you doing tonight, Andre? Doing very well, Mike. Happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, we've had a little bit of technical difficulties getting started, but we're we're you know we persevered, and uh, our just our our dedication to to bringing you fine folks a, a podcast is just it's unwavering. So that's uh, uh, <laughs> so. But uh, and anyway, our special guests tonight are none other than the Shutter Brothers the, from the Uncle Jonesy's Cameras podcast, Mr. Kevin and Kelly Lane, uh, everyone's favorite. Uh, photography podcasting brothers so uh how you guys doing tonight oh man we're doing great we are glad to be here we feel (laughs) honored (laughs) honored well i don't think anybody should feel honored honored to be on this show maybe maybe honoree but uh but (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) that comes later (laughs) (laughs) andre is that a term that you're aware that's the second half of the show (laughs) there you go are you aware that the term honoree uh, is it, was that uh, Andre? Have you ever heard of that? Uh, maybe it's just your your Kentucky accent and another example of you pronouncing things weird, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's a Southern thing. Is that is that a Southern thing? Like a Southern word, like Honry. He's being Honry. I don't oh, know. Th- yeah, because it's pronounced Ornery. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Honry. It's definitely Honry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, I'm with so, Mike on that one. I think yeah. it is honorary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely, it's definitely honorary. There's That's definitely least- an R in there. <laughs> so, but uh, okay, so just wait till uh, Mike talks about the college cheer that he did. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, hey. I wear my uh, Kentucky pride uh, uh, on my sleeve, I guess. So, uh, or at least on my vocal cords, I guess. But uh, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, so Kevin and Kelly. Uh, first thing we like to do on the on the show here is uh, kind of get you guys to uh, well, first of all, introduce yourselves, and uh, no one's going to be able to tell you two apart. So, uh, uh, I think that's one thing. Your your voices are so much alike. Uh, but kind of introduce you, uh, yourselves and. Kind of how you got into film photography, and tell us a little bit about uh, the reasons for starting the Uncle Jonesy's podcast, if you could. Well, this is Kevin, Kevin Lane, and um, so glad to be here. And hello, everybody. You, know, uh, Kelly, and I were—we've um, been shooting film for a long time because we—we're a bit, I think, an, an older generation than perhaps some of your listeners or even most of them. So we grew up in the 60s uh, where film photography was just called photography (laughs) because everybody shot film. And uh, we've always been kind of interested in gadgets and things like that. And we had uh, a wonderful uncle who his name was Aston, but everybody called him Jonesy because that was his last name, Jones, Aston Jones. 
we only knew him by Jonesy. And he was the guy, and, and a lot of families have these kind of people. He was the guy that whenever the family got together for anything, like even church on Sunday morning, he would be out there with his camera and he would be taking pictures of like he would leave church just a couple of minutes early and he would take pictures of people leaving, going through the doors, down the steps to their cars. Um, if we had uh, picnics or parties or birthday parties, he was always there with his camera. So it was just something we got used to and uh, we would ask him about it and he would kind of give us an idea of what was going on, how it worked. Uh, we learned about what slide film was because that's all he ever shot with slide films and so we would go over to his house uh, he lived just you know a few blocks away from where we lived in chattanooga and we would watch his slideshows and not only would we get to see our family on the screen with that with everything that we'd ever done but but when he took trips with his wife uh, they would go to New York or they would go to San Francisco or they would go someplace. And so we would get to see a slideshow of all these places around the world that we had never seen, but we got to see them through his photography. And, you know, and you've got somebody like that, Kelly, you might want to add something to that, but it just leaves a mark on you about the power of photography. We've always been very excited. So I'll let Kelly take it from there because finally, when we got our real jobs, our first real jobs. Well, yeah. Well, you know, we we had gotten cameras early on. My first real camera on my own was uh, a uh, Instamatic X15, which I used from junior high school through college. But now I'm, I'm actually what, I'm actually looking at one of those right now. Listen to this. Oh, there <laughs> it is! I can hear it. <laughs> What a sound. <laughs> That's a great sound. And I forget what you had, Kevin. I think you had a, a pocket Instamatic. Right? I had a, a, po a Kodak pocket Instamatic, too, a, one, yeah. a 110 camera. But we, uh, we, we, we graduated from college uh, the same year, and then each of us got a teaching job. And we both did the same thing. We both, like, just saved lived on popcorn until we saved up enough money to to go buy cameras and that particular weekend i remember that we got paid our first paycheck uh, there was a camera store in atlanta that was running a special on minolta mg1s you know so we clipped the ad XG, out of the paper xg ones i'm sorry xg ones and we clipped the ad out of the paper and uh, went down to the camera store and both ran. <laughs> I'm sure the guy wondered what's going on here. Went up to the counter and just put the paper there on the said, "Hey, you still running this special here on on XG ones?" And the guy said, "Yeah." And we just said, "We'll take two of them." <laughs> <laughs> and those were our main cameras for a while and for a while there. And we just we continued to shoot slides just like Jonesy did, mostly mm -hmm. mostly Kodachrome. Yeah. Wow. So. So uh, when digital took over, you know, we we had our kids, uh, we had our families and kids, and we, the digital cameras came along, and of course we got involved, like everybody, with realizing that you could, that the way people viewed photography was online and through screens and all that, but it was really about two years ago, that. Um, through different things that are not really that as important to everybody else. They're kind of important to us, but just through these events in our lives, we just felt like we needed to get our film cameras back out of the closet and start shooting them. And one of the main things that made it big for me was, and it was, I still remember Kelly calling me. I was at work and he called and says, Hey, have you heard about this? First of all, 
the film photography project. That's what he wanted me to, to know about. Mm-hmm. And secondly, do you know you can develop color film at home with a <laughs> C41 kit? And I said, you can't develop color film at home. It's, it's, and he said, sure, you can do that. He says, well, how much does it cost? He says, it's 20 bucks. Well, how many rolls of film can you do? Well, about 20 rolls. So I started to calculate in my mind that I could shoot a roll of color film and develop it for about a dollar a roll. Yeah, I could get back into shooting my film cameras. Um, I could shoot them at school, at home, wherever. Mm-hmm. So, and then from that point on, we would just call each other and say, hey, what have you done? What have you learned this week? How, how did you learn to control the temperature? What, what cameras did you see at the flea market? We would have these chats and then finally one day, it just occurred to us that maybe this would make an interesting podcast because we were, we were relearning how to do this. And we thought, surely other people would appreciate knowing what we've learned. And I'm a teacher, uh, and Kelly's been an educator too, so we've, we thought we should try to share all the stuff that we've learned. And that's how the Uncle Jonesy's Cameras podcast came along. That's awesome. And that's one thing I- Go ahead, Andre. You talking? No, I just said fantastic, and it's really yeah. making me like sad that I don't have a brother. He's <laughs> like, I can't talk about this stuff with my, you know. You can call he, us he anytime, Andre. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, you've got me, Andre. Come on, what, what's your going on? your work schedule is too crazy, Mike. I need somebody who's like who who actually is awake during the day. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true so so i guess you do you all are you all in possession of all of uncle jonesy's slides because that had to be a pretty it has to be like a, a family treasure trove of those things right like oh yes we were able to get those slides not long before he passed away um and um in fact what was funny that, that they were actually doing some cleaning out of the house they were going to uh, both he and his wife were going to be put in a nursing home. And so the people who were facilitating the clean out, we didn't get word of it at first. So as soon as we found out about it, I had to meet Kevin. Uh, I think I left my job early to meet him over at the house just to make sure we got the slides out because there's thousands of them. Right. They, they, they might just throw those things in the garbage. You never know. So it it was quite a feat getting them out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like we were so have you have you guys uh, like actually projected them through a slide projector, or are you digitizing them? Or what, what's been kind of the plan with those? Well, we still have some family here in the Chattanooga area, and over the years we've kind of reconnected with our cousins around here, and we've actually had some parties where we we uh, gather them all around and get some food and some drink, and we'll set up the the, the uh, slide projector, and we still use his. His Argus uh, slide projector and the screen uh, that, oh, that he nice. had. And we'll, we'll, we started at the earliest one, and we showed about, I don't know, about four or five trays. And then everybody gets really tired, and we'll come back <laughs> in another night. We're working our way, and our plans are to digitize them and perhaps put them on a, a Flickr account or some place where they can be accessed by future members of the family to go back and, and have this archive there. Um, so, yeah, we got plans for that. It just oh, will take awesome. 
You know, it's funny because uh, well, me and Andre had a show, uh, an episode once where we were talking about uh, when we were talking about what our plans when Ectochrome was uh, coming back out and how we wanted to to do slideshows for our families. And we had a lot of comments on the Facebook group. People were like, oh, God, don't subject your kids to s- slideshows. I remember those. I hated them. And I was like, I, you know, my dad used to do slideshows and I loved them. I, I was totally like, I loved those old slideshows of like my parents when they were dating and my dad in the military and all that stuff. I, I just I used to love it. But apparently a lot of kids were uh, thought it was just total torture but I, so but I always thought it was really cool but uh yeah because I'm I'm with you I always thought that it, it was a, a treat to when somebody would do their slides and we even had some other uncles who were got who had gotten into eight millimeter movies and so they would have us over to look at those and oh wow I was fascinated with two places that you've never been and, and I just like looking at photographs in general, but, but yeah, th- those kind of things are a treat for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I was listening to, um, uh, your most recent episode and, uh, I'm very sorry about this. I got to apologize because, uh, apparently, uh, Kevin, I, I like the fact that, uh, for the NCAA tournament that you and your, uh, your wife typically cheer for the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, that, that makes me very happy. I'm a big UK fan. Uh, unfortunately we did not. We did not go far. We went only to the Elite Eight, so we weren't able to win the championship for you. But I, I was I was uh, happy to hear that you were cheering for my my Kentucky Wildcats. So uh, I got to throw that out there. <laughs> I married a Kentucky girl, so well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you, you married into some trouble, is what you married into. Then that's. Okay. <laughs> well, you're lucky Manette doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true this will be the one episode she'll decide to listen to i guess but yeah so but uh, uh okay so uh i guess uh should we should probably go on into our weeks anything else you guys want to say about kind of how you got started or anything or well the the, the thing about just one thing about the podcast is we, and we all and believe me i think about this every time we make one is that we're we're never going to be the smartest people in the uh, podcast, podcasting sphere when it comes to film photography, uh, there's going to be so many people, I imagine, who will listen to an episode and say, well, gosh, I learned that a long time ago. Or, But we just feel like with, with film photography coming back the way it is, and it truly is, there are all the signs. I mean, when you go to the antique stores, like we've done for years, and now you can't find the cameras that we would we would always see. Now you can't find them, and there's some other things going on too. We just feel like that um, that there's going to be people who will listen to a show and say, you know, uh, you guys talk about this. I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to uh, go out there and go meterless for a week, or I'm going to go mm-hmm. out there and 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 shoot some slide film and try to develop it, or get a, a sous vide and and try to make it just. If if we if they hear it from us, maybe they'll give it a try and 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 it's just again, I'm sure a year from now we'll listen to something say you know we we're, we learned a lot more about that in a year's time because it's basically just a journal of the stuff that we've learned that we're learning now. So I hope people understand that. Well, I think it's actually awesome because uh, I was uh, actually thinking about that. Uh, the, uh, Graham Young from. Uh, uh, from uh, the homemade camera uh, pro- uh, podcast has started a new podcast. Uh, uh, gosh, now I'm going to forget the name because I'm, I'm on the spot here, but it's like, uh, Oh shoot. Um, I'm going to have to, pull I wish I pie. could help, but it's also escaping my mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it. Hold on. Let me pull up my, Oh, uh, 
getting start uh, get started with film photography and he's basically going through the basics i mean the the utmost basics of like selecting your first film camera and and stuff like that and i think podcasts like like the uncle jonesy's podcast and uh and 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 graham's podcast he's starting up is is definitely needed because I, you know i think when i started this podcast i did kind of make it more like uh, more basic and talked about certain subjects and all that. But as it's went along, I realized that uh, Andre and I, or whoever, whatever guest we have on, we might be talking about things, assuming people know what we're talking about and they might not, you know, because if someone like new to film photography listens to like a recent episode, they might have like no clue what we're talking about. Cause we kind of forget that there might be beginners out there or people that are unaware. So I think it's good that there's podcasts out there that are kind of catering to people that are new, you know, to film photography. Cause I think sometimes a lot of the podcasts assume that everybody knows what we're talking about and they might not, you know, so I think it's definitely a good take. And, uh, and plus your all style is, it's very, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm sitting in a, in a good old Southern hospitality home when I'm, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm listening to your podcast. And, uh, I just, I just like, it reminds me of, like visiting my, uh, some of my relatives, uh, in some of the more rural, rural parts of, of Kentucky or something. I don't uh, know, but... No, no, don't, don't, you know, Northify your pronunciation of rural now. <laughs> Actually, no, you'd probably say something like rule. <laughs> I, you know, I, let's not let's not get carried away with trivialities of language here. So let's, uh, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> but uh, all right, so um, let's go ahead and, uh, and and start our weeks, and we usually start that off with uh, Andre. So Andre, how's your week been? My week has been pretty good. Obviously, uh, the the majority of the week was spent um, prepping everything for the grand opening of the Safe Light Labs darkroom, uh, community darkroom, sorry, in San Diego, California. Uh, since I met Rob at the Film Photography Paideia, I had been kind of putting together uh, this this model and this pricing structure of kind of how to supply community darkrooms in a, in a cost-effective uh, way for them, adjusting minimum order quantities and, and prices on specific SKUs and making a, an attractive uh, package of, of what that could kind of look like. And so uh, this sort of model, I'm kind of testing out with uh, with them to see how that goes. Uh, and I was very, very happy to be able to actually hand deliver their first order of film and chemistry myself at the grand opening yesterday, which was super cool and happened kind of by the skin of my teeth because at the last minute, uh, my ride to San Diego unfortunately canceled. And so as you guys probably saw in the uh, the Facebook group, for the podcast i was kind of scrambling last minute to find somebody else la based that was going so huge shout out to my good buddy robert lanez who uh you know managed to, to give me a ride also gave me an opportunity to to test out a little bit further <laughs> and in greater detail uh the la public transport system in that i walked to the metro station uh, took it all the way to union station which is the furthest away i'd ever gone on the metro red line and then took uh, the Metrolink, which is an actual like above ground train, uh, like four or five stops out to uh, Robert's neck of the woods to then drive down like the almost three hours to, to San Diego. Oh, but wow. the, yeah, <laughs> but the event was absolutely you know amazing. The the space that they have there is super cool. The front of the the, the you know space has. Uh, 
you know, room for workshops or, or you know, uh, to install kind of like a gallery thing. Uh, Jeff Omen, who is a, a uh, film and digital photographer that I met at the Paideia and then also had a chance to, you know, to speak a little bit more with at the event. Uh, was doing a an exhibition there of some of his work shot on, I believe both film and digital, but probably mainly on film. Um, there on the on the coast of of San Diego, there were also a few pieces from a quite legendary uh, skateboard photographer Jay Grant Britton up there as a, like a silent auction. Um, Rob and Katie had a, do you know like the instant, what was it called? The instant Magni 35, I believe it was, that was on Kickstarter that uh, allows you to kind of put essentially like a, a Fujifilm Instax back on your 35 millimeter camera. Oh, okay. Uh, they had one of those set up uh, in their little like studio space. So that has like a backdrop and studio lighting and then the actual dark room itself, uh, plus like the, the print washing station. Uh, as well as just getting to see and, and hang out with all the the kind of San Diego uh, beers and cameras regulars, the whole event was just absolutely awesome. Nice, nice. So, um, and so this was their grand opening. So they're 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 just yeah, getting started, they, right? They are just getting started, but now there is uh, an absolutely amazing extremely well like community supported community darkroom in uh san diego california and it is now officially supplied with uh cinestill uh chemistry and they will also be selling uh cinestill film there when we have it in stock <laughs> <laughs> uh, i gave a little um a little speech just I, I asked rob for an opportunity to say a few words uh there towards the end before i, I headed out with rob because we, we got home, it was about midnight by the time that we got home. Um, and uh, I just wanted to kind of thank everybody for coming there. Thank Rob for, you know, the, the work that he's been doing with me to kind of set up this, uh, this model for supplying these community darkrooms. Uh, I've already been in conversation with the help of, of course, the, the wonderful Lane Brothers with Tori and Jet out from um, Safe Flight District in the in the greater Chattanooga area. Um, so we're, we're also hopefully going to be working with them as well as Mike Caputo of the Hawaii darkroom. So it's, you know, things are shaping up to be pretty interesting on this whole community darkroom front. And I'm sure that we're going to talk more about that uh, sometime during this podcast, but yeah, that was, uh, that was basically my week. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds like you were, you were pretty productive, man. And, uh, so, uh, I hope you represented Cinestill and, and obviously the negative positives podcast with, uh, you know, nothing but the, the utmost of, uh, of, uh, I don't know, of just awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. I did my best. <laughs> good, good. Um, all right. So let's start uh, with the, the shutter brothers. Uh, which one of you guys want to go first uh, tell us about your, your week. Well, let's see. I'll, this is Kelly here. I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> Finally had a chance just to go out and do some shooting. That's been the hardest thing around here lately because the weather, as we have made so much on on our podcast, the weather has just been uh, horrific this winter. We've had more rain than we've ever seen. We um, did too, and yeah. I uh, know, and it's just really made for uh, – it's been tough to get out and shoot. But I actually got a chance to do that, and I've been shooting a couple of cameras that I picked up at um, uh, not this, not yesterday, but a week ago. 
uh, Saturday at my usual visit to the flea market <laughs> down the road from my house, which is, I can't decide if this is a good thing or a bad thing, that this is so, it's just so easy to go down there and find stuff. I'm, I'm not sure where that's going to go, but uh, sure enough, I, I came home with, I actually was just trying to buy one camera. This guy had a Spotmatic 2 down there. Mm. And um, and so I he gave me the price, and I said, "Okay, well, that sounds good." Yeah. <laughs> said, Here, take these other two as well. And the other one was a Canon T70 with a couple of lenses, and um, and then another uh, old rangefinder called a Perfix, which was an American-made camera back in the '40s, I believe, maybe a little earlier right. than that. Which is, I think, it's just going to be a shelf queen. I think there's too much wrong with it. But I did shoot a test roll in the. T70, which I'll be doing a review of that camera on a future podcast. And uh, and I'm currently shooting a test roll in this Spotmatic. I've got some really nice lenses for uh, 42M screw mount cameras. And so excited about that. Got a whole bunch of, got all my new darkroom chemicals ordered so I can get back in the business of processing my own film and and uh, just get going to do some more Kodachrome. I shot two rows of. I'm sorry, not Kodachrome. Ectochrome. Shot two rows of Ectochrome, and just the, the results were fantastic. I was just so blown away with the results. So I'll be uh, doing more of that, and I let the darkroom process these two rows. But I'm going to try to. I ordered an E6 kit, so I'm going to try to do uh, the next few rows of Ectochrome on my own. See how that works. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I've you know I've I've had a lot of Pentax cameras. I've been a you know obviously I'm a big Pentax fan, but I've never owned a Spotmatic uh, strangely, and I know they're they're like stellar cameras. I've just never never bought. That's the, the one Pentax uh, that hole in my uh, in my history of collecting Pentax. I've never owned a Spotmatic, but I know they're fantastic cameras. So that that's a good pickup there. Yeah, um, listeners, you you know what camera to send Mike the next time that you you want to send <laughs> a free camera. No, don't send any more free cameras. I already feel enough guilt about that. <laughs> that's a nice looking one too i'm looking at it he's he's got it sitting on the table here and it looks like it's a really nice shape really clean and so yeah i mean that's that's the the fun i mean that's the part about uh, going to that flea market you never know what you're going to find so i mean it's well, less you- than a, it's less than a mile from my house i'm pretty sure that <laughs> that as the weather continues to improve, I can ride my bicycle down to it. I won't even have to drive the car to it. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about riding your bike is maybe you won't have to buy all the cameras because you won't be able to get them back to your house, maybe. Maybe that'll help a little bit. But uh, so. <laughs> I'm getting oh, yeah, better at walking away from some. I actually walked. I didn't buy any last Saturday. I walked away from three different ones. And uh, I, yeah, I have to just tell myself, you know what? It's okay to go down and look, but you're just not buying any cameras today. Just say no. Just don't buy. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to tell you the story, though, and and I, I this is I'm not sure if I want to tell this or not. But uh, not long after I started, we moved here in August, and and right away I started going to this. And it was probably not a month after that that I was at the flea market, and I was walking behind this person, going from table to table, and this guy who was walking kind of in front of me just he went to this one table. And he picked up this sort of rectangular boxy looking thing and he pressed this button and it kind of, you know, uh, enlarged. And I could see immediately that it was a crown graphic, you know, Mm. what is a crown graphic doing at this flea market? You know, so I kept thinking, well, he'll put it down and then I'm going to swoop in (laughs) and pick it up. (laughs) 
he never put it down. He just kept looking at it and examining it. So I'm just inching closer and closer. And, and he, he, sort of, he sort of notices I'm there. And he's not saying a word to me like, well, I'm not going to give this guy anything because he's, he obviously wants his camera. And, and, uh, and I thought he would at least you know, say something, but he, he just, he just kept focusing on the camera. And finally I say something like, Hey, that's a crown graphic. He goes, I know. And then he looked at the lady who was selling it and said, well, what do you want for it? And the lady had no clue what it was. She didn't even know it was a camera because she had oh, not no. opened it up. And uh, she said, well, how about uh, $35? Yeah. It shocked me so much. I mean, I, I just couldn't believe he was about to get this camera for $35. So I just froze <laughs> up. Because what I should have done was just said, I'll give you 50 for it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Start a bidding war. But it, it shocked me so much that it just shut me down. And I watched this guy hand this lady $35 for this crown graphic. And I, I swear to this day, I think that's what keeps me going back to this flea market. Because I just hope I'm going to find another crown graphic there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when they're when they're all sealed up, it just looks like a little black box. So yeah, you might uh, I can see how somebody might not know that's a camera. And sometimes it's kind of hard to find the button that releases that door that that folds them out. You know, is it, that button's kind of hidden, sort of. Yeah, and uh, wow, yeah, that's a uh, I I don't I haven't at least I guess at least you're running into cameras. I'm not having any luck. Uh, I haven't I've actually haven't looked in about six months because. Here in Louisville, I every time I have looked, it's just been nothing. I mean, just it's just bone dry, and uh, uh, I need to maybe hit the trail again, uh, I, I, but it, I, but just to see if it's gotten better. But I really I don't. I've got so many damn cameras. I, I need to stop. Like it's it's just <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. But uh, but I, I still would like to. I, there's a part of me. I don't know if you guys kind of feel the same, but like when I do see a camera kind of languishing in a in a thrift store or whatever, I almost feel like I have to buy it. If nothing else, to just give it to somebody or something because I, I feel like I have to save it. You know, like there's this this. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that attitude that. is my downfall because that's what <laughs> that's what more than anything else gets me to reaching for my wallet is is now all of a sudden I'm the camera rescuer, you know. I yeah. can't leave them sitting here at a flea market. I've got to get them home and clean them up and and then just like you said, give them to somebody. Which we've done some of that. We've given some of the cameras that I have found, we've actually given away on our podcast. Right. So, just mm -hmm. to get them out there, get them working again. It just hurts to see them on a shelf somewhere not being used. And and if we can got a, you know some spare change, uh, we'll do that. So Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's better that it, it gets used and gets in some, some hands of, of somebody that's really wanting to get into film photography than uh, possibly, you know, sit on that shelf and just gather dust. So I, I, I that's the way I'm going to justify it. I think, I think we're doing a good thing. All right. So, okay. we're, we're, we're not, we're not obsessed. It's not, it's, we don't have a problem. We're just trying to do a good deed. That's what it is. So. That is a, that's right. <laughs> not an addiction. No, no, not at all. No, no. <laughs> but, um, Okay, so um, uh, Kelly, was that pretty much your week? Uh, so I guess we're on to Kevin now. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, and All for right. me, last week was spring break, and um, it was so welcome because sometimes when you're when you're teaching, you just need a break. Uh, the kids certainly need it, and my wife and I uh, took a trip to my favorite city in Georgia and, and around the world. Really, we we love Savannah, Georgia. It's so picturesque so beautiful it's a place where you go 
um, if you get a motel or hotel or a bed and breakfast or whatever close or in the historic district, then you park your car and you don't drive your car again until you're ready to leave. Uh, because mm. you just spend your time walking the squares. And we actually did do a little more driving because we drove out to some nature preserves. We love to walk through those too. But I got to do some shooting down there. I shot my first role of Ectochrome, and I'm still working on that. Uh, and some some P3200 because I did for the first time, and, and I got to say, Mike, you're an inspiration on this one for me. <laughs> I wanted to do some night photography. Okay. I've, uh, and we'll, we could talk about that later, but I'm really hoping you do a show sometime about your 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 procedure, your workflow for night photography, because mine mine may come out and it may not. I, I first time doing night photography and first time shooting the the Kodak uh, T Max P3200, so that's a lot of first times. But mm-hmm. but, but I had just fun taking this, going around and just in a very relaxed way getting to do some shooting in a city that I love and looking for things that I hadn't seen before. Because I, when I go to a place that I know, people say, well, you know, why are you going to go shoot there? You've already shot everything. Well, you go and look for the things you didn't notice the first time. And there's a lot of that in Savannah. So um, I actually got to hold a Leica CL for the first time ever, probably the only time in my life, because it was <laughs> there was an antique store in the in Savannah, and I looked in there. And said, oh, there's that's a Leica CL in there, and I had the guy open the glass and let me hold it. Got my wife to take a picture, <laughs> of me holding, <laughs> which I know sounds silly, but it's uh, you know it's a Leica CL, and so that's that was pretty much my week. I haven't gotten any of the de- developing done from what I shot there, but. I'll get that eventually. Just a nice, relaxing kind of vacation for me last well, that's week. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many times you visit a place. I mean, my family, we've, we've went to the same beach town in Florida for a vacation for almost a decade. And, you know, I still never run out of, and it's a small beach town. So it's like I, I never really have ran out of photographic subjects or whatever down there. And uh, it's, it's something about being uh, kind of on a trip Anytime you're on a trip, you're kind of in a different state of mind, I think, and just everything seems new and fresh to you compared to your own hometown. So, you know, it's not it's, it's easy to be inspired, even if it's a town you've been to uh, quite a few times. So, just the fact that you're out of your out of your normal element, I think, kind of breeds some inspiration a lot of times. So, yeah. But um, and yeah, Kevin, you did send me a uh, a call in uh, asking about night photography. So I'll probably use that on the next time I do a solo show. That might be the subject of the next solo show. Well. Uh, dive deep into some night photography uh, tips and pointers. But thanks for the thanks for the calling on that. You've kind of given me uh, what I actually know what I'm going to talk about on my next solo show. So, so that's good. So, <laughs> I like having content. So, because uh, uh, a lot of times when we do these solo shows, I don't know if Andre is the same, but. I'll uh, be literally setting up to record and like, okay, I got to do a solo show for the midweek episode. And uh, what am I talking about? And uh, so I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Well, thankfully, Mike usually sends like when, when I'm prepping for the show, he'll usually send me like, Hey, like here, here's the, uh, here's a, uh, a call in that, that somebody sent in and I can, you know, either if it's not just, just plainly blatantly using it to pad out the time can at least be inspired by what they're talking about. <laughs> nice. All right. So, um, 
I guess that brings us to my week. Uh, I'll try to make this short. I got quite a bit here, but uh, it, not a whole lot of pro- productivity, I guess, but uh, some spending some money and a, a gift that I got in the mail. And uh, But I will start off uh, last Monday. Uh, I took my son, uh, actually the whole family, we went to Lexington, Kentucky to visit the University of Kentucky. My son wanted to, uh, he, he scheduled a tour with, because uh, they were on spring break this week as well. So uh, so we scheduled a tour for the uh, UK College of Engineering. And so we uh, uh, basically had a tour of the uh, University of Kentucky Engineering Department. And so I brought two cameras. I brought my Lomo LCAs. First time I was uh, going to shoot that, I threw a row of Kodak Ektar in that. And then I brought my little Pentax uh, UC1. And I threw in a roll of the Ultrafine Extreme 400 black and white films. I had two little compact cameras and my in my P code, I was ready, you know, and uh, one with color, one with black and white. And uh, I was really mostly interested in shooting the Lomo LCA because I've never, never, I hadn't, it's my first time trying to, to shoot a row through that. And, uh, but, so I was real excited. We're going to Lexington, Kentucky. It's University of Kentucky. We're big Kentucky Wildcats fans. And my son's thinking about going to college there. This is going to be great. And so we get there and like, it turns out this tour, like, I don't know, about, it was about a four hour tour and about like, I don't know, three hours of it was in a classroom and just looking at classrooms. And I was like, well, mm. this is not photography. <laughs> mm. <laughs> There's not much photography going to happen here. And then like, uh, as far as actually seeing the campus, it was like maybe a uh, half hour, 45 minutes on a, uh, and, we, and they would put us on a bus and drive us to the next building or whatever. And I was like, well, we're not even walking the campus. So I may, maybe took five shots the entire day. And uh, so it didn't turn out to be the, the ph- photography, uh, um, gold mine I was hoping for, but it was mostly about my, my son visiting the the college. It was his day, but uh, dad was kind of hoping to get a little photography down that, and that didn't really happen, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's fine. It was still fun. But, um, so then, uh, later in the week, um, I got a zine from, uh, Daniel Novak. He sent us uh, the second zine. He sent me his first one was, uh, like a bunch of route 66 pictures. And now Daniel, he goes to, um, uh, on like family trips, uh, they do a lot of road trips. And so he'll take uh, a lot of photography when he does that. Uh, this, this one is called issue Two: chasing waterfalls. And there's a lot of waterfall shots in here, just really beautiful stuff. And I like his zines. Like they're just the perfect size. The print quality is, is nice. And it's just exactly what I think a zine should be. So, uh, we, I've actually talked to Daniel and I want to get him on the podcast, uh, sometime, hopefully in May sometime to talk about how he does these zines because uh, one thing that I really like about what he does is he only charges $5 for the zine and $2 of it goes to uh, charity donations. And uh, these charity donations are to like the park services of where he took these photos. So he's actually like giving back some of the profits of the zine. Uh, this, you know, he's only charging $5 for it, but he gives like, in this particular zine, like $1 goes to uh, uh, see the Robert H. Treman State Park via the Natural Heritage Trust, the official charity of New York State Park, and the another dollar goes to the Buttermilk Falls State Park via the Natural Heritage Trust, the official charity of New York State Park. So he's he's given back to the areas where he took the photos. And I think that's a that's a really uh, I think it's just an awesome ideal for uh, how to approach a zine. And uh, uh, but he did uh, include a little note to me in here. He says, uh, hopefully I can read his handwriting. Uh, it says, hi, Mike. So far, I'm li- uh, I'm lining, I'm living up to my 2019 resolution to get uh, more of my photography printed. I said, here's the second zine and more are in plans. I'd also like to get in the darkroom more. Uh, but let's see. 
why do days only have 24 hours? <laughs> mm. And then he says, the outtakes, radio outtakes, uh, made me look like a loony on the flight, on a flight. <laughs> so I think he was talking about when we had Sean Nelson on, we were talking about our radio history careers. Uh, he must have been laughing on a plane or something out loud, and people maybe thought he was insane. But uh, <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> th- thank you so much, uh, Daniel, for this uh, for this awesome zine. And, uh, uh, and he, let's see, he took this with a Pentax Spotmatic. There you go. And, uh, uh, wow, it just tied the right end, didn't it? And uh, on Fomapan 100 black and white film, and he developed using Kodak Extal Developer. But if you want to get a copy of his zine, and I definitely recommend it, it's only five bucks, two, two bucks going back to charity. Is, uh, his website is danielnovak.com. Uh, that is danielnovakphoto.com, danielnovakphoto.com. And Daniel's very active on the Facebook group, so you can get a hold of him that way, too, if you're on the, on the Negative Positives Facebook group. Uh, let's see. And then the, the last thing is I spent, I spent some money and, uh, uh, I was on Amazon and Andre, I kind of blame Andre for this one because I, uh, I wanted to buy a new, uh, a light table cause I want to use the film lab app to, um, basically, uh, not, not to actually scan photos. Cause I, I, I my scanning process, I kind of have that workflow down with my Epson V800 or whatever, but I want to use the, the film lab app on my phone to do digital contact sheets to basically take a scan of the entire print file sleeve with my negatives in it uh, as a kind of a digital contact sheet. So when I need to find one particular photo on a negative, I can just go through these files on my computer and see them very quickly and find out the page number, find that negative a whole lot quicker. Uh, and I had a light box, but for some reason the film lab app did not like that light box. So I bought the one that Andre has and uh, that Andre had gotten off of uh of uh, Amazon. I know it works because he's had good luck with it. I think it was like $23. That's all it was really cheap. And it's really bright. It's USB powered and all that. So, uh, I did, uh, order a light box to use the film lab app, um, from Amazon's. But while I was on Amazon, I was like $23. You know, that's, that's pretty cheap. I, I could probably throw something else in the cart here. What else do I want? What, 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 I, I got to spend a little more money here, you know? So, uh, so uh, I, uh, I, for some reason I, I searched out Hoga and I don't know why I have two Hoga cameras. Like I don't need any more. I don't, for some reason I just typed in Hoga in the search to see what, what Hoga cameras are out there. Uh, strangely though, in the Hoga listings, they had, um, uh, 20, uh, units of the Hoga WPC, uh, Oh, the, the, the wide pinhole camera. Um, and, you know, I bought one of these from Corey Cannon of the Lenses podcast uh, last year, and I really, really like it. And uh, I've only shot one roll of film through it, but I want to do a whole lot more with it. But these cameras have not been made for a couple of years. And so no one really knows how Amazon got a hold of 20 of them, but apparently they must have found another box of them somewhere in their warehouse and, and popped them up there or whatever. So I went ahead and ordered another one because uh, uh, they were going for like 67 bucks or whatever. And like they've been kind of climbing in price since they haven't been made for a couple of years. So I was like, well, well, I can get one for $67. Let's just, let's just do it because I'd like to have two of them. So if I go out to shoot pinhole, I could do one color, one black and white, or I could shoot one uh, in the six by nine format or and shoot the other in six by 12 because it comes with two masks to do those two different formats. So it kind of gives me some some versatility if I want to go out and do pinhole shooting. Uh, the, the funny thing about it was though, I after I bought mine, <laughs> I posted uh, the Amazon, uh, uh, basically the the i don't know the the 
a, a picture of the Amazon page with that camera. I posted it on the Lensless uh, Podcast Facebook group and also the Negative Positives uh, Podcast Facebook group. And between those two Facebook groups, within 24 hours, those all 20 of those units were sold out. So, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, that just shows you I, I enabled uh, a lot of gas, I guess. And um, and I'm still waiting for my for my uh, uh, my commission check from Amazon. I don't know if that's going to arrive, but I'm not really <laughs> counting on it. <laughs> but but uh, so yeah, that's been pretty much my week um i uh, uh I've, been, I've wanted to shoot some this weekend i do have i have an art show coming up uh april 20th on a saturday night it's a strange art show it's a it's called a metal up your eye and it's basically an art show mixed with metal music and uh so it's, so it's gonna be uh uh kind of interesting but so basically i've been kind of busy trying to prepare for that art show because i've waited to the last minute i've got two weeks uh less than two weeks before the show and i gotta kind of get my act together so i had to kind of put any more photography this weekend on the back burner to kind of prepare for a, another art show but uh, i will definitely keep you guys informed on how the uh metal art show <laughs> went but uh, i think i'm gonna have to like pick out like my my more uh, uh edgy photography because i'm mean, just gonna be it's gonna be like heavy metal guys there right i mean they're not gonna buy a picture of a your your a artsy tree. louisville yeah. cityscapes in here <laughs> your, <laughs> your happy gonna... trees and fog <laughs> and fire escapes Right. I think I'm going to have to find some uh, some more uh, cutting edge. i got to find the cutting edge of my photography, I think. I don't know, but uh, I don't even know what that's going to be. But it's definitely giving me some trouble, like, trying to figure out what to take to this art show because this is not – not my typical crowd, I think, you know, so I'm, I, I don't think there's going to be very many soccer moms there. So that's, uh, it's going to be a little, <laughs> a little difficult maybe to figure out what the, what to sell, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens, but, um, it's been, it's, it, it should be fun. And nothing else. I get to hear a bunch of, bunch of metal bands play. So it should be, uh, something interesting, uh, should be a good people watching too. So good stuff, but all right. I think that's, uh, pretty much our week's. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and take a break. In the second segment, we will address uh, questions to the uh, the Shutter Brothers uh, uh, from the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. So let's uh, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be right back in a second, folks. folks we're back from the break and as usual when we have guests on uh, the negative positives podcast we like to ask the facebook group the negative positives film photography podcast facebook group to uh kind of propose some questions to whoever our guests are and so uh as usual the group uh, did not let us down and came through with some questions to uh, kevin and kelly lane so uh, let's get into that right now so andre what's our first question first coming in from thailand is mr matt jones who asked Kevin, your school camera club is very inspiring. I wonder if you could let us know how supportive the faculty of Georgia Elementary is and if possibly uh, and possibly the wider education system towards analog photography. Hmm. Well, first of all, hello, Matt. He listens to our show, and uh, we appreciate that. Um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I... I every, they, the faculty at my elementary school knows about this 
what I'm doing there. And what I'm doing is uh, I teach at a K kindergarten through fifth grade school, elementary school. And it's just kind of the thing that I like to do, that um, I share the things that I'm interested in with my students. And if, if it's music-related, I'm the music teacher. I'm supposed to do that. But since I also take photos for the yearbook, um, we have a, a, a school yearbook every year, and I'm one of the people on that team at the school. And I like to use my film cameras for it because it, it gives me a chance to practice for anything else. And mm-hmm. it costs me a little bit of money, but that's all right. Um, but, but because I'm doing it, the other kids notice it. They, says, what? they don't see cameras. They, they all have phones. Mm-hmm. You know, but they so they they know about that, but they don't know about cameras. And when that flash goes off, <laughs> they go whoa because they're not used to flashes <laughs> like that. So some of them were curious about it, and I said, okay, this is a teaching opportunity here. So I've been I would hand it to them and show them how to use it and say, now here, frame it up here and press the shutter, let them take a picture. Um, I did a film photography related project a year ago because there's always a there's a standard that connects music and the other kinds of art um, so I did that and connected it to jazz records that have um, photography on the cover of the record and a particular photographer named Francis Wolf um, so we studied his photography and we would uh, I got uh, debonairs from the FPP these um, the plastic, fantastic 120 film box cameras, and mm. but let's those, and then I show them how to develop the film uh, in the classroom, and then um, and then we use sun paper or cyanotype paper to make contact prints, and they would take the pictures of each other. They were all learning how to play the ukulele, so they would take fo- they take portraits of each other um, holding their instrument or playing the instrument or whatever. So they were actually trying to recreate that Francis Wolf thing. So this this year, just some of the kids just wanted to go further and said, "Hey, we'd like to shoot for the yearbook." And I says, "Well, you know, you all have camera phones." Says, "Yeah, but we want to use the kind of cameras you're using." Oh wow! So yeah, and, and learn how to do uh, the the film because there's this thing out there in the education world called STEAM. It's S T E A M, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And so this is um, an, a way of bringing a little science and into the uh, curriculum. And so now I'm trying to get cameras for them, and I've gotten some people who will who've kind of said, "Hey, I, when I get a box together, I'm going to send you some point and shoots." Mike Rosso has uh, agreed to do the same thing, and our school resource officer came in uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and put a, um, an SLR on my desk and said, here, can you use this? Um, I said, sure. So it, it's coming together, and I think it's going to be really cool because I'm right now I'm just teaching fourth graders, so they'll be back next year to continue to do this. And I don't really know that it's getting noticed outside of my school. I've gotten some comments from the faculty saying, hey, that's really cool what you're doing. Um, but um, you know, it's just it's just what I do. I, I I'm a teacher, and and I, I share the things that I'm passionate about, and I'm passionate about music, obviously, but I'm very passionate about this. And if I can get some kids involved in this at an early age, and they go on and develop it later, 
then it's good for film photography. I, I think we all need to be concerned about passing it on to the next generation of people in some way or another. And I know you've you've done that with your your sons and um, and and Andre is is going to have the opportunity at some at some point, if not already. Um, so it's just just something I'm kind of a believer in that you that you need to to pass it on. So mm-hmm. that's super awesome, man. I, I, yeah, when I read the article that FPP posted about it, uh, it was just uh, really really inspiring. Uh, how was the kids' reaction to like uh, to the developing film and all that? Were was any of them like, "Wow, this is way more complicated than photography today"? Like, this is this is too much, or or were they or were they like super excited and interested in it? I mean, what was the general perception of the students? Was they just totally like enthralled by it? They, it was complicated for them because, see, they don't know. You know, they've mm-hmm. never lived in a time when when photographs were printed on paper from negatives. That that that's all new to them. So, uh, and I would get them up there and I'd say, "Put those gloves on. I'll let you agitate the the <laughs> tank here." And uh, they would all line up and they'd do that. And then, the, of course, the big moment is when you finally pour out your rents and. Um, and you pull out the reels and you say, look, we got images on here. And they all look at that. Ooh. Of course, they had to explain why they're all reversed, you know, because they're <laughs> right. not used to seeing things in negative. And that was before the film lab app, which now I can I can get my phone and show them. But there there's some who are more curious than others. It's, it's not going to be something they all take up. But, um, you know, that's the same thing with music, too. They all take music classes, but... For a lot of them, in fifth grade, that'll be their last class ever in music. They won't continue mm-hmm. later on down the line. But it's just what I do. You know, I, I just like to share stuff like that. It's just you share your passions. Absolutely, that's super awesome. Uh, wow. So uh, and like, so what? What's the what's what was the film choice? Uh, did you choose like a very uh, general purpose film? Uh, was it like a Tri-X or something? What would what, you go with? We wanted, um, well, we were shooting with flashes on these debonairs. I'd gotten a couple of electronic flashes to put on the hot shoe. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the debonairs are great cameras. Uh, yeah, they are. They've been compared to the Holgas, but I actually like the look on them. And, and I, I mean, I have a Holga too, and I like that. But, but they're a different negative size. Uh, they're four and a half by six. Um, which is exactly what you would blow up to an 8x10 if you wanted to do that. It's the same um, aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I put flashes on them, and I used T-Max 100 because okay. that way we were able to – I think the aperture was 8, F8 for that camera. We were able to illuminate the subject. It would be the the, the, the one student would photograph the other student about – I'd say no, no sooner, no closer than five feet. You can't get any closer than that. And I would show them what that looked like. I'd even like did a tape measure so they could measure it, and make sure. Um, and then the subject would be illuminated, but the area around the subject would be dark. And mm-hmm. um, if you look at the photography of Francis Wolf, for like he was actually co-owner of the record company, but he was a professional photographer in Germany before he and his business partner fled Germany to escape uh, Nazi Germany, came to America. They both loved jazz, went to New York and started a record company, Blue Note Records. And if you look at his photography, that's his style where you see the musician, 
but everything around the musician is dark, as if they were on stage, but they mm-hmm. weren't. They were, in fact, the recording studio was somebody's house. It was a living room of a house. So we just wanted to emulate that style, and it, it really worked too because the flash would illuminate the subject, and and then and around it would be dark. Well, that's so awesome. that's why that's the awesome. Emac hundred was perfect for that because it wasn't too fast to film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And and it, boy, you and you went in you went in hardcore, man, uh, with medium format film right from the get go. So yeah, <laughs> nice, nice, nice well, job. <laughs> that's because we were going to contact print these to Sun Paper. Makes and sense. Okay, yeah. Negatives. I mean, the prints were pretty small, but nevertheless, you know. And then I, <laughs> I, I, this is way I, I'm thinking because then I get like a box of envelopes, and uh, I had them all write their name and their subject's name on a three by five card, and then I'd, I'd I'd give them to their their contact prints when they dried. I'd give them their negatives and ask them to glue their you know use some glue stick and glue their uh, glue their prints onto the card and then they'd have an envelope to put the negative the print in the uh, in the envelope so it was you know like going to the drugstore and get your negatives and prints in an envelope <laughs> except it's just one <laughs> right <laughs> got to nice. experience that <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I miss those days. I do miss those old envelopes with prints and negatives in there, man. That that was a that was always a always a huge thrill. But yeah. Ah, all right. So uh, Andre, what we got up next? Up next, we've got uh, Theo Panagopoulos who asks: New people to analog sometimes feel worried about shooting freely as a as there's a cost per frame. How do you recommend that they find the right balance? of measured photography, which doesn't stifle their creativity. Well, this is Kelly here. I'll, I'll take that one on. Well, it, it, it has to do with finding the right balance between their budget. I mean, they obviously has to, they, they'll have to set a budget about how much they can spend on film and then find the best way to, to make that budget last there. There's, I think the whole idea of learning to, roll your own cartridges and you know and and load from a bulk loader is a very economical way to do it and there's some uh if you're just getting started there are some film stocks that that are if i correct me if i'm wrong but i think there's some that you can get for under 50 dollars for 100 row yeah yeah, yeah that that ultra fine extreme is like i think it's like less than 40 bucks for a 100 foot row it's like it's unbelievable and it's good film you know like right. yeah well see that's a bargain so really there's uh, we used to hear this guy. This is this is back in the '80s when Kevin and I were really into photography. And of course, we would, you know, we all subscribed to the magazines and 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 would see these expensive cameras that we just dreamed about owning. And and we would go visit the camera shops and hang out at these camera shops, just like musicians do at guitar shops, you know, and just mm-hmm. sort of dream <laughs> buying mm-hmm. the guitars. And uh, I forget who it was who told us this, but one of the guys behind the counter, we were bemoaning the fact that we couldn't afford, uh, you know, a, a Nikon FE or something like that, and uh, and that photography was so expensive. And he reminded us, you know, but you got to remember, the film is the cheapest part of your process. You know, that's the part that you that you can't afford is your film. And and see today, I think even and if you if you took the price of film, most film stocks today if you calculated for inflation what we were paying for them you know back in the 80s we would probably be paying a whole lot more for them today if we just went 
you know, by that uh, factor of inflation. I, I, oh, I think yeah. the prices are pretty good. And when you can get a film stock like you just mentioned for that low of a price, then, you know, just have to find the right budget and find the right method before you start moving up to, you know, spending $100 a roll on something like Triax or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say that I have um, recently, and I'm, it was a blog article, which I need to find, because that happens all the time. I will reference some blog article and, and not be able to give them credit, because I can't remember. <laughs> I need to do that. But um, I read a lot of blogs, of photography blogs, and one was uh, was talking about the concept of make every shot count. Uh, so when you're out there and you're trying to balance how much should you shoot for a, a, a certain scene or whatever, I think you you need to shoot as much as you feel you need to for the, what you're doing on that subject or this project. But when you're shooting it, have a plan and make it count. Think about why you're taking it again. Are you doing it because you want to bracket the exposure, which is... I mean, if you're taking a trip somewhere and you don't ever expect to go back there, like an overseas or a European trip, and the light is weird, bracket the exposure, for goodness sake, because um, it may be less important with um, print film, negative film, but with slide film, which is what we shot a lot of, you bracketed because you had to get it right in the camera. There wasn't any fixing it later. Mm-hmm. So you, you're you're shooting it more because you're bracketing it, or are you just walking around your subject and you're trying different angles? Just just have an idea of what you're doing and and make every shot count. Um, I think it's a good way to go, and I think that will probably guide just how much you need, how much film you need to use for something. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's funny when I'm out shooting, I, I don't. Well, actually, home developing can go a long way to uh, saving you a ton of money on film photography. And so, like, money is not really a situation I think about a whole lot as far as like uh, price per shot anymore. Because it just, especially in, in whether you're doing color or black and white, if you do that stuff at home, you can save so much money. It it becomes almost uh, not as much of a factor. But I will say that you know, there, you walk up on a scene. And you know something catches your eye, and you're gonna you're gonna shoot it or whatever. Uh, you kind of know if this like I, I walk up to some scenes like yeah this is kind of okay. I might do a, a sh- one one just one shot of it. But if I walk into something like oh man, I really want to get this right. I have no problem like spending ten, fifteen, sixteen shots or half a row on that one scene just to make sure I get it right. You know, and uh, you kind of know when you walk up to something if something was really inspiring to you. You know, you can uh, kind of make sure you got it, uh, got it just right, and 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 kind of burn up a lot of the row on that. But uh, but there's other scenes you walk up to, and it's like, yeah, this might be okay. I might just do one shot of. So you know, but <laughs> uh, but I think you can kind of just kind of let your uh, let your let your inspiration kind of tell you about how how much you need to maybe bracket or or do extra shots of that particular scene. I think helps too. But because uh, you know, there's sometimes you see something's like this might be okay, and maybe you just do one shot of that one. So. Uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Plus, you could always shoot half frame and have seventy-two shots per roll. There you go. 
I can't even wrap my head around it. I actually have been kind of, uh, sort of almost uh, about a week or two ago, I got a little bit of gas for a half frame camera. And I, I keep telling myself, Mike, you've got like four cameras that have had half rows sitting in them for a month or two. And like, you, you have no business having a half frame, half frame camera. I like the, I like the concept behind it, but I, I know the way I shoot. <laughs> it's probably not the best decision for me, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> but I think they're, I, th- I do think they're super cool, but, um, and I guess it would be kind of fun that to, to just I guess with a half frame camera you could just kind of shoot uh, kind of willy nilly and not not really worry about anything you know but I guess there, there there is some freedom in that but yeah I don't know we'll see all right Andre what we got next up from Bill Smith uh, <laughs> he says hi long time listener and occasional caller a question for either of the Lane brothers. Do you find you wind up being your sibling's worst enabler when it comes to gear acquisition? The reason why I ask is my brother is also into film photography, and that happens to us. Bill Smith from the classic uh, Camera Revival, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, definitely. I think that's, um, wouldn't you say? I'm sure I cause a lot of it with Kevin because <laughs> I have access You've been to, trying you know, lately to more. I mean, sometimes... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm out there more looking for them. It it did become a bit of an obsession, I would say, middle part of last year. In my in my job, I'm in my car a lot, and I'm in different locales. I could be in two or three different uh, cities in a day, and I've kind of got it all spotted out where the antique stores are. And I, I love antique stores anyway. It's just relaxing for me to walk through them, and, and I've done that for many years. But now, of course, there's the additional tick of – uh, just be on the lookout for a film camera. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure just the fact that I'm always out there looking for one has probably caused Kevin to spend more time in antique stores as well on his, on the, in his free time. You certainly <laughs> picked up a few more cameras lately. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will say too that, uh, well, for us, you know, like I said, we, it, we came back to this, in a real formal way in the spring of 2017. So 2017 was, was really about getting back into it and learning how to do it again. But it wasn't too long after that, that we started thinking about, Oh, you know, we used to see these cameras for really cheap in the antique store. Wonder if they're still there and started picking up things. And I think 2018 was the year of gas for us. And I think we both agreed and I think maybe me more so that 2019 was going to be the more that was going to be the year of, you know, I think you, I think you voiced it, Kelly, you said uh, less cameras, more film. Right. So I've kind of put the brakes on that now. And uh, like uh, we were, we found out that uh, from the film photography project podcast, that there's been this huge cache of one ten film discovered. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Uh, for pocket instamatic and so you know, now i have to really fight wanting to to do that because i don't need another format you know i don't need another format um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know something will pop up and it will be like a minolta 16 the little uh, 16 millimeter sub miniature camera and oh and then look at it, it's really low price but i don't i don't want I don't need another format. So, and I have these shelves of cameras and I'm sure a lot of people know exactly what I'm talking about and they're all work, 
but I don't have time to shoot them all. Mm. And when going into the room where the cameras are, and and when it takes a, like 15 to 20 to 30 minutes just standing there trying to decide, okay, do I want to put the black and white in this camera, the, the color in this one, and oh my gosh, what if I do that, or what if I come to... <laughs> that's that's when you know it's gotten out of hand and you need to seek help <laughs> it's time well, to call the clinic as i say <laughs> i mean if you are want if you are wanting to start another uh try another format you know there, there's this aps revival going on oh in yeah <laughs> you know i gotta tell you mike um because uh, it doesn't mean that i don't look and my wife and i we we love to go my wife is named debbie and we love to antique shop too and we've been hitting some thrift stores as well. And I, I came acro- across a thrift store, and I looked down. And I thought, oh, there's a little um, point-and-shoot. It was only like $3 or something. I'll <laughs> buy that because this will be a, a camera I'll let a kid use at school, a student at oh. school. And it was a Minolta, and it was in good shape, and it was 3 bucks, And, and um, it was halfway home. I, I told my wife, I said, hey, g- grab that camera, pull it out of the sack. Tell me the name of that camera again. It was a Minolta Vectus. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought this APS camera. <laughs> nice. And I have I have half a mind to send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe I should just send you some APS film and, and, and yeah. get you, let you, let you oh, join I the do cooking. not so. need another format. <laughs> no more formats. <laughs> You never know. Don't knock it till you try it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, the good thing about it is like the cameras are so cheap, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, shoot, uh, Michael Bartasek on the uh, on the Facebook group, he just got a Canon, uh, uh, it's EOS uh, something nine or something like that, APS SLR for like three bucks on eBay, and uh, and this thing looked like brand new, so uh, I was very excited for him to to pick up a, a kind of a a really nice APS machine for, for that cheap. And the film is, is pretty crazy cheap too. But I mean, unless you're going to develop it yourself and scan it yourself, it's probably not worth it because it's pretty, uh, the few labs that do process it, it, I think it's kind of pricey. So I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't find a way to to develop it myself and scan it myself because that, that just makes a really cheap uh, shooting experience for me is, is one of the, one of the the things that attracts me to it. But if you're like into APS and want to send it to labs, uh, it's going to, going to be probably a little more, more pricey than it's worth. (laughs) Just going to be completely honest there. Not that, not that the APS revival is not taking over the world. It's just catching on. It's the hottest trend in film photography. We know that, but, uh, but still, uh, so, uh okay so i got my aps shout out uh and so uh there you go we knew uh, it was I coming think, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so andre where are we at man next up we've got wayne setzer who has a couple of questions for the shutter brothers number one well, wait, andre, brother, you, uh, you, you don't have to just a- a- ask the questions you can you can throw in uh you can, you i can, have uh, i have nothing to say when it comes to <laughs> aps i was just <laughs> Hoping that we were going to kind of naturally get to a moving on point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Wayne Setzer asks a couple questions. Number one, being brothers, uh, would you say that you have similar photographic styles and interests? And then number two, which of you is the better photographer? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Wayne. Thank you. Oh, you want to go first on that? You go first on this one. Well... I don't know. Um, 
first of all, I think I'll be honest. I'm still trying to develop a style of photography. I don't, I'm, I'm still trying to find my voice as a photographer. Um, so you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm not sure I've got, I'm not sure I've found that yet. Being a musician, I kind of know how that feels. I, I, I can definitely describe my style, my musical style, but as a photographer, I'm still working on that. Um, I'm not, I don't know how Kelly feels about it. I do know that we, I think when we compare our photos, I think they're different. I'm more like if Kelly will, if we're shooting in a city or something somewhere, or a town, uh, like you were shooting in Rome the other day uh, with an ectochrome that you put up on Flickr and, and, uh, and I was shooting in Savannah and you'll, you'll take a photo and it's a grand photo of like the whole building. That's like a portrait. It's a building portrait. And I'm much more likely to go and see like the molding on the corner um, you know, the architectural molding and getting close or something. So they're both valid things. I'm just, I'm just more likely to, to look for a, a detail rather than a portrait of the building, which I would do too. If It just didn't occur to me to do that. What, what, you got something you want to say about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. First off, the whole idea of, of saying somebody's the best this or the best that, I've never liked that question anyway. Sorry. I don't mean that it's <laughs> a bad question. It's just that it's, it's irrelevant because people used to sit around all the time, well, is Hendrix a better guitar player or is somebody else a better guitar player? You know, And, and it doesn't really matter whether somebody is better than the other. It, what, what matters is the work that comes out and the consistency. Mm-hmm of the work you know and that's really what what you leave behind is what matters and um i mean I, I like the idea that kevin has the opportunity to shoot as much as he does he has he has more time to do it than i do and uh and that's just that's unfortunate for me because my work is it, it keeps me so busy uh but that's just the way it is and so i'm very very fortunate to get the times that i get to to uh, to go out making pictures and to do all the other stuff that you have to do as well because it's time consuming to do the processing and the scanning and the editing all that's time and and I'm sure this is that way for everybody but it's it is certainly for me that time is an extremely precious commodity because there's just I have so much going on with with uh, work and uh, so. But but I learn from his shots. I mean, I'm I'm always excited to see him put something up on Flickr, and I study them. And there are some things that he does that, like with the waterfall, that was a great uh, blog that he put out about shooting waterfalls. And so I mm-hmm. I immediately started thinking about that when uh, my wife and I were doing some hiking and approaching waterfalls. I thought, you know, I can try for that look as well. So we learn from each other. We're more, I mean, we're, you know, we, we spend afternoons on the phone. If you know, a couple of times a week, just, you know, if I'm in the car between appointments and he's on his way home from work, we'll, we'll be on the phone chatting about, did you try this? Or what do you think about this film stock or this technique or something like that? Or this camera, you know, so we're always learning about it. And that's what's exciting about getting to share it on the podcast because there's usually somebody out there that's listening that's maybe just discovering that at the same time. Yeah. And, be, and you know, you've, Kelly, you've had some experience 
uh, you know, some, I would say, professional experience because you went through a period of time where you were shooting weddings on film. Mm. And um, so I, I've always felt like, and I can see this on your Flickr work now, that you have a better approach to uh, grouping people and photographing people. And I saw that on some, some of that Ectochrome stuff again, where I, I'm not, I don't feel very confident about that. So what he said there... We actually influence each other, and it's sort of like if he raises the bar here that I'm going to try to raise it there, and it's just, I think we'll, the end result is we'll make each other better over time, um, and um, it, there is no such thing as the best, uh, mm -hmm. so just who you like or what you like. I agree. I think with any artistic uh, pursuit, it's like it's not about like necessarily the technical talent level of someone. It's more just uh, just the artistic expression of that individual. Like some of my favorite, uh, you know, guitarists or or bands or whatever. Uh, the musicians aren't necessarily. I mean, they're not going to hold a candle to Hendrix on like uh, technical uh, proficiency or anything. But it doesn't mean the songs aren't fantastic and don't inspire you. And and that's kind of the same way I feel with the photography. It's never or any sort of artistic expression it's not really a, a competition it's just that person's uh their, their vision and their expression and that's uh you know it's kind of um as long as that person is 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 you know finding a way to express themselves uh whether it's technically proficient or not it, that's not that's not even really the uh the, the consideration it's just whether they have uh, you know found some way to inspire somebody through their expression you know regardless of how they do it so yeah all right so uh andre where are we at? Um, skipping down uh, a little bit. I mean, we we've kind of talked about it before, but we we may not get to all of the the questions just for you know considerations for time. But I am sort of picking and choosing uh, some of my favorite. We have one here from uh, David Mahali who asks, uh, "Why do you think so many people are both musicians and film photographers?" And I'm going to extend that a little bit just for my own personal reasons <laughs> of, you know, why why do you think that people are also many people? There's an overlap between uh, film photography and watches as well. Well, I tell you what, I, I certainly think that there are this is Kelly here. I think there's there certainly is a connection. I don't know what that is, but. I mean, I can remember pictures of the Beatles back in the early days after they were, uh, you know, quite famous. And uh, there'd, be, there'd be photos of them in some of the fan magazines. Because, you know, we didn't have the Internet back then. We had to rely on print uh, publications to keep up with our favorite music artists. And, and there would be photographs of the Beatles with cameras. And, of course, in A Hard Day's Night, you know, we've all seen the famous... Um, seen with Ringo walking around with a Pentax mm -hmm. um, and um, and even in Help um, I had told Kevin you know <laughs> with our podcast that it's you know it, we, we had decided that there really only is room for one podcast out there that uses sound effects you know although <laughs> if there were room for another we would certainly be right there because both of us have a background in radio and and it would be fun to do that and i told kevin i said you know cuz kevin came up with the idea for the shutter brothers that was his which i thought was a great name it was a great name and i said you know there's that scene in the beatles movie help where they're showing up in the bahamas if you see you must have seen the movie and and uh 
they're getting off the plane and one picks up a camera and fires it and the other picks up a camera and then another one picks up a camera and this, then two of them pick up cameras and pretty soon they're all just going around in circles firing and you hear this, you know, this, <laughs> just this constant sound of all manner of shutters, you know, big shutters, little <laughs> shutters. Well, and I said, that's the sound effect that we need for the Shutter Brothers right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, I think there's definitely a connection between musicians and photography. And going back to the Beatles, I mean, they were all very much into photography, especially Ringo. And even there's even in, in, in motion picture making, I mean, they, they both, uh, there's, there's footage of John Lennon with a Bolex in India. Mm-hmm. She wrote 60 mm-hmm. Film down there, and uh, and Ringo certainly got interested in motion picture making. And you know, we're going to reveal this on a future podcast that I have an immense interest in motion picture making, and uh, um, actually just purchased uh, today a, a 16 millimeter camera that I'm excited to use sometime maybe this summer. Wow. We'll see how that goes. Oh, wow. so, uh, but yeah, there's certainly a, a connection between. I mean, how many artists out there? music artists have, have put out uh, books of photography. Mm-hmm. I was, just came across, well, oh, Marty Stewart. He's another one who's a great photographer. You know? Yeah. There's a guy. Michael Stite from uh, REM uh, has done a lot exactly. of photography. Yeah. 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 And there's a guy, it seems like there's a guy from Wilco. I can't remember his name. He does Polaroids. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Forget his mm-hmm. name. Is it Jeff Tweedy? Yeah. 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 He's really know, is it? Too. Was it Jeff Tweedy or another? I think it was another member of the band that did Polaroids. Not Jeff yeah, might it, do. It, it yeah, might I be. I was just. I yeah. just knew that's the only name I can tell you from. Wilco mm-hmm. is. He's yeah. Tweedy. John Denver was a big photographer. You know, he was really into that. Um, um, Kenny Rogers. Well, I don't know about him. No, he was a he, he was big photographer. Oh, was he? I, he oh, had no. several books. Out. Um, why? Why are they connected? I think that uh, people are. And I'm not saying we're on the same par as those people, but creative people, they probably can draw too. You know, mm. it just kills me that, that there's these musicians and then you see the album cover and they drew it or they took the picture. They just, they're just immensely talented and they're just creative people. And I can't draw a straight line. I can't um, either. <laughs> so, but uh, I think it's just that, that people are just dominantly t- talented in the creative ways they probably write as well um mm. so um I, I why i that's just the way they're, they're the gifts that they have been given when they were born so yeah i think i mean i've, I've been a musician a lot of years and uh, more years than I, i've than i've probably taken photography seriously uh but i, I will say that i think musicians are, are kind of just by the nature of, of creating music is, is, is a creative outlet. It's very, it takes a, a lot of self-expression or whatever. And I, I feel like that generally musicians are, are pretty creative people. Uh, and whether I'm one or not, I don't know. I even, I, sometimes I just, I kind of, uh, shudder calling myself a musician or calling myself a photographer. It always sounds like, <laughs> you know, this does, I don't know if I can, I, I have a hard time labeling myself that way, but, but I will say like, I went through a, a period of like some bad music, situations where bands just kept falling apart falling apart and photography was a nice 
another another expression that kind of got me away from music a little bit and the drama that I was dealing with. And but because music is such a you know it's a it's an audio uh, expression. You know it's all but like photography being a vision. Uh, you know more of a visual. Uh, uh, expression. I think a lot of musicians are attracted to the fact that since making music is not visual at all, uh, that photography is, is, it does attract them because it's a completely different form of expression that, that they, it kind of gives them a break from uh, music. I think at least that's how that's, that's, that's how it, it, it intertwined with me. I don't know if that's any truth to that or not, but that'd be my theory on it. But yeah. Yeah. I will say too, that, you know, most musicians, work with other musicians i mean there are a few people who are the only play solo out there but but mm-hmm. even then your 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 art still involves other people if you're recording artists you have producers and engineers and all that so you're always working with other people but with photography it can just be you and the camera that's and I right think that that probably attract that's very attractive to people who just you know the music is perhaps what they do for a living or or i don't know but but they they, they say i when i when i'm with with my camera it's just me and my camera and uh, it's probably a relief and a release to them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's one thing i did like about when i kind of uh took a break from music and went to photography is hey i don't need uh three or four other guys i don't have to need worry about them canceling band practice tonight i can still uh, get something done because it's just me uh, photography just requires me and my camera so that was kind of a nice uh a nice thing not have to rely on somebody else to show up at the practice space so yeah <laughs> but uh uh, good stuff. And Andre uh, had to throw in some kind of watch thing there. One of you guys a watch nerd or something? Like, where, where is he going with that? Oh, I know. It's now, now I see Andre's unmuted his mic real quickly there, so he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one. I, I like watches too, and uh, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but we did chat with Andre a little bit while we were having some of the technical uh, aspects um, before we started the broadcast because the watch that he got. The, the Speedmaster has sort of been on my dream list of owning one of those. So, yeah. But, yeah, you know, watches are cool, too. Because it's 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 part of with the gas with the cameras because I just like little machines, you know, mm-hmm. uh, finely crafted machines. And musical instruments are like that. Uh, and cameras are like that. And watches are like that, too. So I appreciate stuff like that. Thank you, man. I appreciate the fact that, you know, at least somebody can give me a little bit of credit on here for, for you know, bridging the, the gap between the two. And it's not just Mike rolling his eyes. <laughs> uh, by, by the way, Andre, my wife today was like, oh, boy, I see Andre's posting more watch filters today. So, uh, <laughs> uh, she no, loves I, you to death, man, but she, she, uh, you got to realize that uh, she definitely doesn't I understand know, the watch thing. <laughs> Well, here's the thing about the watch pictures is that like sometimes you know I'll, I'll I'll be taking pictures of the watches with my phone and wanting to post them, but you know it, in in the sequence that I have like you know I'll I'll, I'll be at a point where it's just like oh well, damn I, I I can't do that just yet because I haven't posted my three black and white uh, film pictures so that actually kind of forces me to go into the the hard drives and you know, through the, the print files and find something to either scan or uh, or upload uh, so that I can then go back and post the watch pictures that I want. Because <laughs> I'm at a point right now with my photography where, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this in a, in a solo show uh, coming up, but like, I'm at a point right now in my photography where, you know, I'm not 
super inspired and I'm having a hard time, you know, coming up with, with inspiration to, to take a whole lot of photos. Uh, whereas, like, I've been taking tons of photos with my phone just of the watches. And so <laughs> new pictures of watches that, that, uh, that I've been making are forcing me to kind of go back and look at my film images so that I can maintain that sequence. Yeah, we'll, 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 we're gonna just we'll buy that theory for now, I guess. But, uh, so. <laughs> yada yada yada. Do <laughs> right, any more yeah. questions, Andre, or where are we at? Let's uh, let's wrap up for a little bit of a, a break before we you know we close out with a few personal questions from from Mike and I. All right, all right, folks. Well, thank you very much to the Facebook group for the questions to the Shutter Brothers, and uh, always uh, love getting these uh, questions in. It helps me and Andre out big time, so we don't have to really think of insightful questions because you guys come up with way better questions than we would. So uh, definitely a big shout out to the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. All right, we will take a break and come back for a final segment. So we will be right back, folks. Folks, we're back for the final segment with uh, Kevin and Kelly Lane of the Shutter Brothers from the Uncle Jonesy's podcast and uh, Uncle Jonesy's cameras podcast, I should say. And uh, we're going to do this segment kind of uh, just a couple questions that Andre and I would like to ask them. So, Andre, how about you go first? So, uh, obviously, kind of being hot on the heels of the, the grand opening of a community darkroom out here, not necessarily in my neck of the woods, but, you know, close enough that I can still benefit from. Um, the main sort of question that I have right now is what has been, you know, the, the experience of being kind of smack dab in the middle of the growing film photography community there in the greater Chattanooga area, what with, uh, Safe Flight District having opened up not too long ago? Well, well, uh, it's still go, it's still ongoing. I mean, it's still, I'm still trying to, to come to grips with the fact that this is actually happening um, because um, a community darkroom, as you've already discussed, is a is a big deal because because that means that there has to be here in the greater Chattanooga area there has to be film shooters and we just I I, I didn't know uh, there wasn't any way of knowing um, there were a couple of Chattanooga photography Facebook groups there's a Chattanooga photo walk that takes place every month. But those those were all digital shooters, and nothing wrong with that. And you could go along with them and bring your film camera, no problem there. But but being able to ask questions and pick people's brains and all that, well, being able to do that at a at a with a community darkroom is is a really a big deal. So I'm re- I'm really super excited. I haven't begun working or doing anything in the darkroom yet. Um, I I used to do black and white developing and darkroom work. Back in the early 80s when I was attending a college and was shooting for their yearbook and had free access to the darkroom. And there was a professor who kind of gave me a, a quick tour and said, OK, take over. You got it. 
And so <laughs> I didn't really have a formal training and I'm, I would love to have someone, I'd love to take a workshop and just get really good formal training. So I'm waiting for that first workshop, learning a bit more formally how to use the enlargers and, and all of that and how to deal with paper and different types of paper. So I'm not going to begin work doing anything there until I get that workshop. And then after that, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure I'll be a part of it. But um, just the other, the, for me, the fact that it was two young people, I mean, they're in, they're in their 20s. They're very energetic. I'm talking about Chet Smith and Tory Fife in Chattanooga who were doing this. And I thought, wow, if there's other, if they're, if these young people are out there doing this, that means there has to be more people of that age group. That can only be good for film photography. So it really made me happy to know that you wanted to talk to them, Andre, and that you've been able to, because um, if we could ever get to the point where it could be more than just the darkroom. If you could go there and, and pick up some film, for example, because there's no place in Chattanooga to buy black and white film. Um, you'd have to use the internet. And of course, there's nothing wrong with the internet, but I love the idea of just being able to go and, and, and make your choice by seeing it there on the shelf. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's an exciting thing, and I'm hoping that it, it grows in even to a bigger scale than we can even imagine. Kelly? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's exciting to know that that hub of activity is just up the road from us. Um, and, uh, and Chattanooga is a neat city. It's, it's, um, it's like a lot of these mid-sized cities that's seeing a lot of resurgence in the downtown areas. And um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a cool thing. You know, I just I hope it, it can make it through its growing years and to, to the point where it's well-established. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's I think it's super cool to to find some connection with uh, a, a film community in your local town. I, I haven't really reached out enough in Louisville uh, to to kind of make those connections, but it's something I kind of it's been on my thought uh, a lot lately uh, to try to make some more connections locally. Uh, maybe try to do some film walks and stuff like that because I think. But the nice thing about a community darkroom is it does give you sort of a centralized place to kind of co congregate or at least kind of uh, you know make it a little easier for a kind of a community to kind of get together and kind of rally around. So uh, I think there's a, there's definitely a big bonus in that. Uh, another thing I'm going to give another shout out for this if if you get anybody listening to this has not signed up for this yet. Uh, there's a website uh, Ted Smith has put up, uh, thefilmphotographersmap.com. And basically, you sign up for it, and you can put your location of where you're located, and it helps you meet other film photographers in your area. And the more people we get to sign up, obviously, the more chance that you'll find another film photographer uh, in your local area that maybe you could go shoot with or or just chat with or trade things with or whatever. But uh, I definitely would like to see this website become a, a – I think it has a real chance to be a real valuable resource to film photographers all around the world. So uh, definitely check out the filmphotographersmap.com and uh, and sign up for that and put in your location so that maybe you can uh, find other film photographers in your area because I think there's there's something cool about – getting together with uh, other film photographers, people that share the same passion uh, that's always inspiring and, uh, and it can be a really just a, a good way to make connections. So yeah, good stuff. Yep. I've already signed on to that. Kelly, awesome. you should do awesome. that too. I will too. I think Ted yeah. even like found someone near him. And uh, if I remember correctly, he posted in the, 
in the Facebook group that he was going out with his family to to meet up with the the person that was closest to him on the on the map. So, which is also kind of cool. Like you know, the guy who started this thing is is already sort of reaping the the benefits of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, and like you know, I know some people have said, well, you know, I signed up and there's not anyone, any the next person nearest to me is in another country. But it just, I mean, the, the website just started. We get if we can get uh, the word out about this, and get more people to sign up. I'm sure you'll you'll eventually find people in your area that will right. sign up. Uh, and the so, fact yeah. that you've signed up for those people that are kind of saying those things, the fact that you've signed up, like your your dot is already on the map. So the next time that somebody else does. You know they'll have they'll be able to see that that you're there. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that my my buddy Jake Rose up in in uh, Fredericton, uh, New Brunswick, Canada is is you know pretty far away from the closest uh, person. But um, you know I we, we were kind of chatting the other day. It's just like hey you know at least you know that there's somebody. It's going to be a decent drive, but make a day out of it. You know go mm-hmm. and uh, and shoot and just you know chat away about film photography. For sure, for sure. I mean, maybe you're, and there could be a chance that, like, you're going to take a trip to some town or something that maybe like a little little weekend trip or a, or a week long vacation. Maybe either you can find people that are in the area that where you're going or whatever. That if nothing else, just get advice from them about like some good places to go shoot. So uh, even if you're not going to meet up with them, so mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be a, a really invaluable resource. I'm, I'm really trying to get the help spread the word about right. that. So yeah, but uh, okay. Uh, and Kevin and Kelly, I, like two. Sorry, uh, one oh, one last thing, Mike. All right, uh, yeah. Kevin and Kelly, uh, to y'all's point about uh, Safe Flight District kind of wanting to be sort of like a you know a hangout place slash like one stop shop for uh, for things, including being able to sell film. That is one of the things that was actually a, a piece of feedback that I got from from you guys uh, from talking to you guys and from talking to Tori and Jet about um, you know what that could look like because obviously you know selling chemistry at, at below retail is is already a a huge help but we hadn't even kind of thought about well you know what if we sort of treat these community dark rooms uh as like also a place where you could buy film as well uh and so for safe light labs in, in san diego part of their first order did include you know uh, a, a few bricks of, of each of the of the film stocks that we that we sell at sinister so it was you know a really cool thing that you know i want to thank you guys for even kind of you know, getting me to think about that idea. Otherwise, I I wouldn't even have have included that. Oh well, you're welcome. I I, I want to see it happen. So, um, yes, that would be great. Awesome. Uh, well, my question is, uh, there was a post. Gosh, it's been uh, quite a few months ago, but it was both of you all. I think uh, as very very young boys. And I think you both had maybe Diana cameras. Is that right? Am I remember this this photo correctly? That is correct. Yeah. Do do you do you have any photos from those Dianas, or do you still have those Diana cameras? <laughs> um, there's a chance uh, because there's a you know like people of our generation, um, we have the big cardboard boxes of photos, and I remember mm. we got a bunch of them from my mom uh, at some point, and I think we we have a few from. Uh, my grandmother and, and and probably from Jonesy too, although he shot very little print film at all. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's a possibility of that. Uh, that those cameras were probably given to us by Jonesy. Okay. And um, so and they, I we don't have them anymore. But I do have uh, a a 
the same thing. It's you know that that camera, the Diana, was released under different brand names. Oh, Windsor, yeah. for example, same mm. camera, same factory, but just a different brand name. And I I found the Windsor the other day, or I should say, one day last year. Anyway, <laughs> there's a there's a chance that because um, I know I know that I have negatives from my parents' um, Brownie Hawkeye flash. Um, mm. I know we have a lot of those. Um, I at one time I had a 127 camera, the, you know, the paper backed 120 film, 127, yeah. mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. And I have some negatives from that. Uh, Kelly and I, when we were uh, another thing that Jonesy gave us when we were kids. I'm guessing probably around fourth or fifth grade or so. He gave us a home developing kit. Oh wow! <laughs> it was by Yankee, and it was like the eight, it's an eighteen-piece kit, and it was um, the tank, the reels. Um, it had these little packets uh, of chemistry that you had to put into water, mix into water, called a trichem pack. So it was the developer, stop bath, and uh, fixer had some paper, and it had this uh, little machine called a it said a contact printer where you basically you put the negative in the paper and then you close the lid and you would it would turn the light on so it would count mm-hmm. it long and then you made contact prints and um i'm sure i have some contact prints from a, a 127 camera from back in those days so yeah wow uh, so uh, the, in the in the in the photo uh with you guys holding the dianas did you guys know it was the uh it was gonna that camera was one day gonna lead a huge art art movement and photography <laughs> like <laughs> had no clue at oh, all man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, the, I see. You can't know stuff like that because I remember when digital cameras first started coming out, and I go, people says, "Who wants to look at photos on a screen?" Right, like, right. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when I bought my first when I bought my first digital camera. I think it came. It was like a Kodak, and I think it came with. Um, it came with the, 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 I guess it was a compact flash card. I guess at that time it was a little bit bigger cards or whatever. And on the, on the card, it said, I think it said digital film on it or something like that. They called the memory card like digital film or something, I guess, to try to convince people that it wasn't, it wasn't such a strange leap, I guess. But, uh, uh, just, yeah, weird, weird times, man. But, <laughs> but, uh, and one more question I have, and this one is directed uh, to Kelly. Kelly, I, I think I've seen, and this is the musician aspect, I got to ask this you're building guitars, is that correct? That's right. I I guess you call me a luthier. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I I my day job is is has been for many years now. Is I'm a piano technician, and I have a very large clientele of customers that I look after here in the North Georgia and uh, Tennessee and Alabama area. And so, uh, and I've been doing that for a long time. But I I I love all musical instruments and I, I love guitars as much as I do pianos, maybe a little bit more. And I'm more of a guitar player than I am a piano player. Although I've worked on pianos for 35 years, but, um, I, about 10 years ago, I really got interested in learning how to, uh, make guitars as something I've, I kind of wanted to do. And I came across this man who's sort of the, I guess you would call him the dean of American guitar makers these days. His name is Wayne Henderson, mm-hmm. and lives in Virginia. And he's, he's kind of a real quiet, 
unassuming guy, uh, the kind that doesn't act near as famous as he is, because he's. if you Google his name, you'll get all manner of hits on him. He's world famous for building uh, the, pre, the replicas of pre-war Martins, which is my special. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, so, and I, I was very, very fortunate to learn from him. Um, and he was my teacher and that, that really gave me a leg up on entering that mark, that, that area that they call boutique guitars, you know, where people mm-hmm. place these orders for instruments that are, they're heirloom type instruments that they're essentially replicas of say a, a 1937 D28. You know, if oh, you've wow. played one of those instruments, you know that they have a very unique, sound that you just can't get you just can't go out and buy one you know mm-hmm. and, um, and of course if you if especially with bluegrass musicians if you're wanting that sound you either have to pay the five figures it takes to to get a pre-war d28 or you have someone like me make one and so that's how that came about and i've got a website if i can give my uh, website uh, absolutely well it's my name uh, kelly lane and my first name has both E's in it, K-E-L-L-E-Y. So that's kellylanegutars.com. Uh, I've got a website. You can go and see what I do. That's awesome. How long does it take uh, from start to finish to make a guitar? <laughs> a job, it takes me about four months. But I usually try to wow. make more than, you know, I try to make them in batches. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah, about four, sometimes five months, depending on how busy I am. The hardest part is is the finished job because it has to be a you know it can't look like i mean it's a handmade guitar but it has to look every bit as as professional as one that you would buy at a guitar center so the finishes have to be perfect on them and so to do a lacquer finish like that it's it's that's a real art form in itself and it's Mm. taken me probably taken me longer to learn to do the finish than it took me to learn to make the guitar wow Uh, so, and that's what takes so long is all that finishing with lacquer and the in-between coat spraying and sanding and, uh, you know, buffing it out. It's just, it's very time consuming to do something like that. Mm, that's awesome. If I ever get down to uh, your area, I want to just photograph you building a guitar. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> I'm in the shop on Fridays and that's the day that I'm open to the public and. And uh, as there's not a I, since, you know, we I was in Rome for many years, uh, Rome, Georgia, and uh, we just relocated to this little town north of Dalton, Georgia, called Varnell, and it's a really little town. Most people haven't heard of it, but yet since my shop has opened, which was late last year, when we we bought the house, we had to have the shop finished out. It was just a shell, so we had a lot of construction going on in it, and we're finally able to get it open, and since. It has been open every Friday. I've got visitors in the shop just coming in and watching me work. And oh, that's uh, awesome! You know, it's it's wonderful because you you just sit and chat with people and and uh, and sometimes they're they'll they'll have a good time amongst themselves while I'm over at the bench, whittling on a neck or or something like that. So it's you know it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to it's it's such a change from the the rest of my work days because the rest of my work days I'm in a car most of the time I mean I it might take me an hour to tune the piano but it might but it will take me two hours to get there you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. most of my day is spent uh, trying to be somewhere on time in a car and if you've ever had to do that it's just you know the clock it just ticks over your head all the time <laughs> yeah 
uh, and so I love Fridays because Fridays when I'm in the shop, it's, it's all slow pace and I might be sitting in a chair whittling away on a, on a, a neck or cutting braces for a top or, or working on uh, repairs because I also do repairs to uh, all manner of, of, of string instruments. In fact, I just completely restrung and renovated three auto harps, which is the first time I've ever worked on those. Mm. Uh, I'm getting ready to uh, to start on a, uh, a a 56 Martin D28. That's coming in for oh, wow. a next. And and uh, and I I, I just I, I work on electrics too. The guy brought me a 72 Strat. Nice. Uh, Looks exactly like a '72 Strat Sunburst ought to look. You know, just the right amount of wear for someone who's been playing that guitar that long, and you know, played but not abused. And yeah. it's in for maple neck, and it's in for a, a, a fret job. And and uh, you know, that's the beauty of, of getting to play those wonderful instruments that that um, you know they're going to be around after we're gone, and we're just caretakers of them. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's how I feel cameras that these you know it's not like they're just making f3s anymore so you know when you find one you're a caretaker of it because it's going to outlive you and um and so you want to make sure that you're passing something like that on because it's again it's just it's not like they're making more of them oh nice well said well said and that sounds that sounds awesome man that's uh that's i'm super super pumped uh that you're able to kind of uh you know uh, pursue that passion and that, and that, and that, uh, that interest. That's i uh, I've always kind of wanted to do that, but I have no woodworking skills whatsoever. So I'm going to rule that out. But, uh, but also one last question, this is a little more light, lighthearted question, but the music on uncle Jonesy's cameras podcast, is that your all's music? Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Nice. Uh, nice. It's mostly Kevin's music. It, it, well, it started out as, um, tracks that i had recorded for different projects uh there was a a local tv station that was making their own content and they hired me to do uh some tracks for that and then sometimes they would use it and sometimes they wouldn't but they'd pay me for it and that was okay <laughs> so some of those kind of reemerges that i used the introductions we both have recorded uh albums uh, in the cd format and um I think our music is still on iTunes. At least mine is. Yours is still, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, we each have an album. So and um, so sometimes oh, we just well, use why, the introduction. Why you, uh, what's the What's the name? Yeah. Well, Kelly's yours is. Mine came out in two thousand and five. It's just a collection of songs that I wrote, and uh, I I think it's still on iTunes. But it's called Small Dot Town, Small Dot okay. Town. And yeah. uh, that's just Kelly Lane. And then, Kevin, tell about yours. Well, mine is um, called Autumn Sky. And uh, it's out there uh, on iTunes for sure. And I <laughs> sadly still have copies of the CD up in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing still sadder got... than a bunch of records that you can't <laughs> <laughs> well i i envision yep. a, a trade between some sea hero cds and some <laughs> yeah. sitting, i'll put in a plug for on. kevin's album and uh and you know i i can say this because both kevin and i that's one thing that we were from kids as in not only into film but we were both record collectors from a very early age uh, very heavy collecting records and you know that's sort of a side thing of ours is is music and records and and i i'm here to tell you that kevin's album is one of the best albums i've ever listened to uh oh, the wow. songwriting it is great the playing and the singing is great and
and it's it rides around in my car and it's it's still one of my favorite albums to listen to and when i get to the last song on it you know it, it, nowadays record labels they they always put the the best songs first and by the time you get to the end it's just you know the the stuff that shouldn't have made it on the album i always <laughs> love albums back in the day where they would you know make a really good album and then put something at the end that just blew your mind like mm-hmm. with you know with pepper and a day in a life or Abbey Road with the suite at the end of Abbey. You know, this something, or with the Eagles, Desperado, how that album ends. Or or the Moody Blues, you know, Days of Future Past with the album ending with Nights in White Satin. Something that you Love, just, Rain, or Me. Yeah, or, yeah Love, Rain, or Me. In fact, best. you could do a website of top 10 album endings, you know, that were just... <laughs> And Kevin, the way his album ends, it just gets me every time. There's a song called Savannah Wave to Me, which is just one of the most beautiful. It's just, that's so beautiful. You can stop now. Stop. Okay. Stop. <laughs> stop. stop. Listen, <laughs> Kelly's is great, too. I love his, uh, he has a great song. So, so anyway, no. check that album out. I love it. Well, I did notice, uh, uh, as far as the music on your own podcast, and I think maybe you guys mentioned it, but uh, I mean, I, there's a little Tom Petty vibe. Are you guys Petty fans? I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm hearing a little Petty influence there. Is you're it, you're I, definitely that? hearing it because that, <laughs> you know, when you grow up in the f- 60s and you hear the same influences that Tom Petty heard, mm-hmm. and then you hear Tom Petty, you're, you're sort of um, captured in there. So, yeah, there's definitely in that. And, um, I love, um, uh, my, my main guitar is a, a Rickenbacker 330, and I oh, there you love go. Peter Buck's playing. Yes. Love his music and his approach to the guitar, so you'll hear that in there. And um, so, and Tom, yeah, I, think, his, I can hear some. I can hear some early REM in there too. Yeah, I can. I can see that. So yeah, Kevin is a real big fan of REM, and I hear it in his music a lot. And and um, and and Tom Petty. This is Kelly here. Tom Petty's one of my musical heroes, and uh, and I think Kevin as well. We both are were influenced by him a lot. But I just I loved his music and was very fortunate to attend his his show in Atlanta on his last tour. Uh, oh, wow! And um, we had second row center seats to that. I just I couldn't believe that. It was just amazing show. Mm-hmm. To but um, yeah, you probably hear some petty influence, and I know I know I, I hear the REM stuff that that comes out in the sound of the guitars. But I, I will say that on the music on your show, Mike, um, you, you actually have introduced me to a whole new style of music. I wasn't really familiar with mm-hmm. it, and I'm not sure. I'm probably going to get this wrong. I've heard the term shoegaze, and yeah. I don't know what yep. you yours is. There Some of it, yeah, there's that. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of shoegaze, post rock. That's what they call it too. Uh, as a different form, but both those kind of styles, I'm a big fan of. But, but yeah. So basically, I've introduced you to a guy that, that barely knows how to play his guitar and just has behind a lot oh, of effects no, pedals. But oh no, so. I was going to say that you've got some great tones. You're getting some great tones. Oh well, thank you. And I'm thank going. You. Okay, I got to find out what's going on here because there's some tones in there that and the sounds and. That um, that I'm really digging. So, um, oh, cool! So that wow. feeling is, is definitely mutual. Man, I liked it when you put the album on you know, a while oh, back. Yeah. <laughs> to listen to the album, that was cool. I enjoyed that. Robert Lanez, who who gave me a, a ride down to San Diego for the the Safe Flight Labs uh, opening, uh, he actually mentioned that uh, when we were in the car as well. He was saying that like 
one of his favorite episodes of the podcast was the one where Mike just put all of the the sea hero <laughs> music. I felt really, I felt really like a sellout when I did that too, man. I felt I, I, I questioned that for the like days after I released that episode. So, <laughs> but, no, uh, because your yeah. your listeners, I I think they they know they feel like they know you better because you're a musician and you expressed yourself through music, and I feel like. They they feel like a closer contact with you now thanks to that. So ah oh, well, good that's job. awesome. Well, man, man, that's a we need to just wrap this episode up while I'm on this new high right here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, obviously, uh, uh, thank you uh, so much, uh, Kevin and Kelly Lane, the Shutter Brothers, for coming on this uh, this podcast. Man, it's been a real blast. It's uh, it's been a, a little bit a little bit hard to schedule. We finally made it happen. We we struggled through some technical difficulties, and it's been all all been worth it. So it's been every bit as good as I thought it would be. So thanks, thank you guys for coming on. Well, well thank we, you. thank, thank you, very, you much. very much. All right, so let's uh, let's have uh, you guys tell the fine folks uh, where to check you guys out and all that all that good stuff. All right, well, the Uncle Jonesy's Cameras podcast is available on all of your favorite podcast directories, and we'd love for you to listen and subscribe. We try to do two episodes a month, and um, we'd love to hear from you too. And you can email us uh, at Uncle Jonesy's Cameras at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook page. It's a UJC podcast, or you can search for Uncle Jonesy's cameras. We also have an Instagram page or Instagram account. It's at UJC podcast. Awesome. Awesome. And definitely check out that podcast. It's a, it's a really fun podcast. So I think uh, anybody that hasn't heard it needs to check it out. It's a, it's a, it's very, uh, very nice. And I really like the, uh, I really particularly like the episode where you guys really went dive deep into like using the sunny 16. Uh, that's something that uh, I used, I did maybe one time uh, uh, a couple years ago and I was pretty successful at it, but it's not something I've really had a lot of faith in trying but you guys kind of convinced me. I like the way uh, the perspective on that was really good. That's, so that's a, a one episode in particular I can really point out as something that was uh, I hadn't really heard on a lot of a lot of podcasts that, that kind of diving deep into actual uh, actual real life applications of using a Sunny Sixteen uh, uh, method of shooting. So uh, definitely, uh, but check out all the episodes. But that one in particular really stands out. So uh, good stuff. All right, Andre, uh, where can people find your work? People can find my mix of film photography and watch pictures on Instagram at Andre on Film. Awesome. And you can see my work on uh, Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can follow the Facebook group or join the Facebook group for this podcast, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. And uh, we have an Instagram account uh, under the account name Negative Positives, mostly ran by Mr. Bryce Randall. Uh, if you post photos to Instagram, think about the hashtag Negative Positives, and hopefully Bryce will find it one day and highlight it on the Negative Positives Instagram account. Okay, so I think that's, uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks again to uh, Kevin and Kelly Lane for uh, coming on the, the podcast with us tonight, the Shutter Brothers, and uh, it's definitely been a great time. So everyone have a great rest of the week. Andre, you have the midweek episode this uh, this week, so I hope you got that ready. I'm sure you are already got it all prepared, notes written out and everything, right? <laughs> yep, the script, everything, just, uh, <laughs> just so you know, ahead of the game here. 
<laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right. So, uh, Andre, we'll see you guys for the midweek episode. But in, uh, until then, everybody have a great week. Uh, everybody stay positive. And, and shoot, shoot some, some cool film photos. <laughs> oh, man, the harmony. I could tell you guys are musicians. I can just see it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, folks, uh, we'll see you later. Thank you very much. This audio test, Mike, Mike check, Mike on the mic, Mike G on the mic, Andre. Test, test, uh, looking at some watch pictures here uh, while I wait, and the Lane brothers were extolling their appreciation for the no, uh, movie no, watch. No, just one Lane brother. <laughs> uh, well, see, I can't tell you guys apart from just your voice anyway, so. <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin? Yay, I'm here. <laughs> and Kelly. And I'm over here. Kevin, <laughs> on our podcast, we started panning us because it's in stereo. So Kevin starts panning <laughs> us to one side and the other so people can tell who it is. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, except the only problem is that, that might actually cause trouble for me at Ford because at Ford we're allowed – to only wear, uh, due to OSHA standards, we're only allowed to wear one earbud. So, oh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm only going to hear one side of the conversation. So you guys are you guys are causing me trouble. That won't do that, so. work. That won't work. No. <laughs> can't listen uh, to the early. Be- can't listen to the early Beatles records too. That's, while you're doing that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Sometimes when I listen to music, I'm like, this song sounds really weird. Wonder why? Oh yeah, I just have one earbud in. That's what it is. So, <laughs> a gutter man cave production.